welcome to the Prophecy Club. As you know, Leslie and I are going to Malaysia to speak, and in the process, I've tried my best to make a lot of broadcasts in advance, but I just can't make enough of them. I'm going to get some help from David Phillips also, but in the meantime, we're going to have to play some audio of the DVDs. And out of the over 300 DVDs that we've made, I've chosen the ones by Michael Rood because I think that the church mostly needs to learn more about the feasts, and that's probably one of the best ones talking on the feast that I know of. So here's the offer, then I'll explain what the DVDs are. We're offering you six discs valued at $160 for a gift of $40, but the best deal is get six discs and watch them at watchprophecyclub.com for only $10. Yeah, they can watch all six of them for only $10, and of course you can get signed up for watchprophecyclub.com for $20 a month or $200 a year. So here's the scoop on it. We're offering you Prophecy in the Spring and Fall Feast. That's a four-disc set by Michael Rood. We're also offering you Fall Feasts in Prophecy by Doug Hamp. And my DVD, 17 Secrets in the Feasts and the Trumpets. Again, six DVD discs valued $160 for a gift of $40. And you order the discs at prophecyclub.com. It's called the Feasts in Prophecy Gift Offer. However, the best deal is watch all six of them for a gift of $10 at WatchProphecyClub.com. You'll have access to the Fall Feasts offer of four titles immediately at WatchProphecyClub.com. But of course, the best deal is you can watch over 200 titles for a gift of $20 a month recurring or $200 a year recurring, and you can watch all of them anytime you want to, including the new Sevenfold Miracle Crusade, which is not going to be offered on DVD. It's only going to be at WatchProphecyClub.com. So, order the discs at ProphecyClub.com. Watch the 200 titles for $20 a month, $200 a year at WatchProphecyClub.com. Or get the Feasts in Prophecy gift offer at ProphecyClub.com for a gift of $40. Or you can watch all of them, all six of them, for a gift of only $10 at WatchProphecyClub.com. little complicated. Call us, 785-266-1112, and we will explain more if you have a question. So let me explain what the DVDs are. First of all, in my opinion, I think that probably Michael Rood is one of the best, if not the best, at explaining the feasts. One of the revelations I received, which is in my new book, Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy, was that Jesus did not fulfill all of the spring feasts. He was not here. As you recall, he ascended 10 days before Pentecost. The feasts are not days to have a party. They are God's appointment days, meaning that when God does major events, he always does them on his feast days. Most especially, they are a picture of the last seven months before Jesus returns. They lay out the two returns, I said the two returns of Jesus, one on first fruits as a lamb, 50 days later his crowning at the marriage feast, and then his final return on trumpets as the line of the tribe of Judah to burn the tares. Michael Rood probably does one of the best jobs I've ever seen in explaining the feast, which is why I've chosen to play his audio of his DVDs today. Michael tells the story of how Jesus fulfilled the first four feasts at his coming, as I said. I don't believe he did. I think it stopped on first fruits. That's our only difference. But other than that, I think he's right on. And it's very important that you learn all you can about these feasts because they help you to understand Bible prophecy. Then we also are offering Doug Hemp's DVD, The Fall Feasts in Prophecy. He says there are seven feasts of the Lord. 
We know Jesus died on Passover. During the Feast of Unleavened Bread, he was in the tomb. On first fruits, he arose. Fifty days later, on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. He'll also explain the parable of the fig tree in Matthew 24 and demonstrates that we are living at the end of the generation, which will see the budding of the fig tree. Then my DVD is part of the offer, 17 Secrets in the Feasts and the Trumpets. This recording contains the top six revelations I received from memorizing the book of Revelation. In the order of importance, they are the next anointing of Jesus, who are the two witnesses, is not Enoch and Elijah, what is the morning star, seven amazing facts about the 144,000, secrets in the seven feasts and trumpets, who appears before the great white throne, and who appears for the Jesuit seat of Christ, the kings and priests in New Jerusalem, what are and who sits on the other thrones, and what are the other books. So that's four titles, six discs, for a value of $160 at prophecyclub.com for a gift of $40 at watchprophecyclub.com for a gift of $10. But the best deal is just join Watch Prophecy Club. 20 bucks a month, $200 a year. You can watch now over 200, almost 300 titles. Today we switch, and today we're going to start listening to Michael Rood talking on the fall feasts of the Lord. Welcome to the Prophecy Club, where we study and research Bible prophecy. You know, there's a lot of folks that believe that prophecy is just about to be fulfilled. Many things are about to start unfolding, things that prophets of old have desired to see and did not see. But I believe that our eyes, we're about to get the opportunity to see it. Our speaker tonight is going to be talking about the fall feast that portray the Gog-Magog invasion of Israel and also America, the delivery of Israel, Israel's blindness being removed, the Ark of the Covenant being revealed, the latter rain outpouring, animal sacrifice beginning, Jesus gathering his saints, the judgment seat on the sea of glass, and the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is the first of two videotapes in a series of four videotapes, all dealing with the feasts of the Lord. Will you help me welcome our speaker, Michael John Rood. Thank you, Sam. The scriptures say that we are not to be ignorant of the times and seasons that God has left in our hands for us to understand. It says, as the Apostle Paul, or as I affectionately refer to him as Rabbi Shaul, says, But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. At the time that he was writing this, everyone understood and kept God's reckoning of time that was clearly outlined in the Hebrew Scriptures, but now we have found ourselves nearly 2,000 years later having forsaken God's reckoning of time and adopted a pagan reckoning of time in which every day of the week is named after a different pagan god and every month of the year is named after a different fallen angel. But yet, God's reckoning of time, clearly laid out right in the book of Genesis, still remains to this day, and we can go back to God's understanding and God's reckoning of time so that we are not ignorant of his times. And also of the seasons, the word seasons here, and throughout the Hebrew scriptures, is the word moedim. Moedim is referring to the feast of the Lord, which the New Testament says are all prophetic shadow pictures of things to come. And so it is that we have within God's word, God's times and God's seasons, his moedim, his feast, which are prophetic shadow pictures by which God told the end from the very beginning. 
And when we were together for the Spring Feast of the Lord, which I refer to as Bible Prophecy 101, it is there that we find that each one of the Spring Feasts of the Lord are shadow pictures of good things to come that look forward to the time that the Messiah would come as a suffering servant who would pay the atoning sin sacrifice for the sins of mankind. We see that in Leviticus 23, verses 1 and following, detailing the Feast of the Lord, that each one of the Feasts of the Lord are holy convocations. The word convocation is mikrah in the Hebrew, and the word mikrah means rehearsals. And throughout history, all of Israel looked at each one of the Feasts of the Lord as a rehearsal of something good that happened in the past. But after the spring feasts were fulfilled, then it could be spoken that each one of these feasts were also shadow pictures of good things to come in the future. The reason why Israel could not understand that they were shadow pictures of good things in the future is because if Israel would have understood, then Satan would have known God's plan that the Messiah would come as a suffering servant would literally be the fulfillment of the Feast of Passover in which his blood would be shed as the atonement for sin. And if Satan would have known God's plan, Paul said that Satan would have never have crucified the Lord of glory. And so we see that the Gospels record how the Spring Feast detail how the Messiah came the first time as a suffering servant who would pay the atoning sacrifice for the sins of mankind, and the Gospel of John very clearly detail these things. The Gospel of John, in that, Yohanan, John, a first century Jewish follower of the Jewish Messiah, said that I have not written everything that could or should be written. The world wouldn't even be able to contain the scrolls of the things that should be written about Jesus of Nazareth. But, he said, these things I have written, these things, that you might know that Yahshua of Nazareth is the Messiah, the only begotten Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Now, how does Yohanan show how Jesus of Nazareth, how he is the Messiah? What is it that proves he's Messiah? He shows how he fulfills all of the spring feast of the Lord to the very day, hour, and moment. And just as each single feast has an an origination, they also have intermediate and final fulfillments. And at the end of John's life, then he received revelation while he was on the Isle of Patmos. And this revelation was given to him, and it was shown to John how the Messiah would fulfill all of the fall feast of the Lord. The book of Revelation, the gospel, the good news of Revelation, is that the fall feast of the Lord will be fulfilled just as the spring feast were, to the very day, the very hour, the exact moment, and every detail in which they had been rehearsed for thousands of years by the children of Israel. And yet, in this part of the world, in the American culture, we have found that we have forsaken the Feast of the Lord. We've grown up in ignorance of the Feast of the Lord, the prophetic shadow pictures, but yet we have inherited from our forefathers renamed pagan celebrations. And some of them not even renamed, such as Easter, the goddess of fertility who came down out of heaven in this giant egg landing in the Euphrates River, busting out, turning a bird into an egg-laying rabbit. And we find that so many of the things that we have inherited from our forefathers, now in these last days, God said that when Israel entered back into their own land in the last days, that the Gentiles would come unto Israel and cry out in repentance and say, we have inherited lies. 
We have been given lies by our forefathers. We've inherited things that do not profit. We've been given gods by our forefathers that are not of God at all. And because the Gentiles cry out in repentance. And that's really all that you can do. When your mommy tells you that Santa Claus delivers presents on Christmas morning, when you're three years old, you can't debate it. You're in no position to debate it. But once you begin to add... And then you find out that by the first grade, when the debates rage, whether Santa Claus exists or not, and you finally come to the realization that you've been lied to, you go through a grieving process. You cry. There's, because your sense of reality has been shaken. But yet, you can't help what you've inherited. You just get over it. And so it is in the last days when the Gentiles realize that there's been some things that have been inherited from our forefathers. All that can be done is just repent. And God says if they repent, that God will open the eyes of the Gentiles through his people Israel in the last days, and God will reveal his hand, his might and his strength, and the Gentiles will know that his name is yod Hey vav Hey Yahweh. And it says in the last days that ten Gentiles will take a hold of the skirt of the Jew, the tzitzit on the hem of the garment, that God commanded us to put on the hem of our garment at Mount Sinai, and to always keep this on the hem of our garment to remind us to keep the commandments of God. And that the Gentiles will come up and take a hold of this and say, teach us, we know that God is with you. We know that the living oracles of God have been committed to Israel. And so it is in these last days, my particular job is to teach the Feast of the Lord and their prophetic fulfillment. And tonight, I am going to take you into the fall feast of the Lord so that you can see how God told the end from the very beginning and how he has given us a roadmap for these next several years as we go into the time of trouble upon the earth. And it is in Bible Prophecy 201 that we will start out by asking another question. Just as we asked and allowed Paul to ask a question in our our first series, and Paul asked the question again. Hath God cast away his people Israel? And has God put them away? Has God finished? Have the Gentiles replaced Israel? Has the church replaced Israel? Has God finished sick and tired with Israel and the Jews? What does he respond? God forbid. God forbid. For I also am an Israelite, Paul said, of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. He went on to ask, Have they stumbled that they should fall or utterly be destroyed? How did he respond? God forbid. Rather, through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles to provoke Israel to jealousy. That was what salvation going out among the Gentiles and the Gentiles becoming followers of the Jewish Messiah, that's what was supposed to have happened. That the, in, the Gentiles would graft themselves into the Messiah who said, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. And that was to provoke Israel to jealousy. The Gentiles were never supposed to mount crusades and kill Jews by the millions for killing Christ. That was Hitler's logic. But we see very clearly from the New Testament scriptures that Jesus, Yahshua, did not come the first time to be heralded as the Messiah and to live happily ever after. The plan was from the very beginning that he would come as the suffering servant. 
that he would be the Passover lamb whose blood would be shed so that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And that it was God's plan from the beginning that the Messiah would be slain from the foundations of the earth. It was his plan. And we saw that when Peter spoke up on the Temple Mount after the day of Shavuot, after Pentecost, he sa- it says that those Jewish brethren were cut to the heart. And they cried out and said, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? We know now that we have crucified the holy and the just one. We have killed the Messiah. And Peter said, I know that through ignorance you did it, as did also your brethren and your leaders. But this was determined by the counsel and foreknowledge of God. This must take place. This had to have happened because Israel was supposed to sacrifice the lamb. But yet, when he said, you did it through ignorance, he said, now repent. Repent. Okay? We can all do that. Because our sin was what nailed him to the cross. All of our sin was paid for by his death. And his resurrection shows us that God had a plan from the beginning, and it was completely completed by him, the Messiah, fulfilling the spring feast all the way through the Feast of Pentecost. To provoke Israel to jealousy is what is supposed to happen when the Gentiles follow the Messiah. And then it goes on to say, Now if the fall of them, Israel, be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them be the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? How much more Israel's fullness? And if some of the natural olive branches, Israel, were broken off, and they were broken off, why? Because of unbelief. And you, Gentiles, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them to partake of the root and fatness of the olive tree. Don't you boast yourself against the natural branches. Don't exalt yourself above the natural branches, Israel. You don't bear the root. The root bears you. And if you become high-minded and all haughty and exalt yourself above the root, you be very careful. You fear, because if God did not spare the natural branches, take heed that he spare not you. Continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt be cut off. Don't launch off and start your own religions and your own cults following after men in their teachings, saying, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Peter, I am of Zwingli, I am of Luther, I am of Calvin. None of those men died for you. The Messiah is the only one that gave his life for you, and we are to follow him, and not what people say about him. We are to follow what he says, and it's time that we drop the rules and regulations, the doctrines and the commandments of men, and followed him. Because we have to be very careful that we have not exalted ourselves above the root. He is the vine. We are the branches. If we don't abide in him, we'll sit in buildings year after year, decade after decade, and not bring forth any fruit because we're not attached to him. We've only attached ourselves to the doctrines and commandments of men that strip us of the power and the life and the love of God. Paul went on, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceit, that blindness in part has happened to Israel, and blindness in part, not in full, has happened to Israel until 
until the fullness of the Gentile they come in. And we right now are right on the verge of the end of the time of the Gentiles. Not that the Gentiles cannot be saved after that point in time. It's that blindness in part happened to Israel because it was God's plan. And it is also God's plan that he is going to perform an act when the fall feasts begin their fulfillment, which will open the eyes of Israel and they will know who the true Messiah is. And when God opens their eyes and when he relieves the blindness, it is going to shake the earth. Israel is the father's beloved. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Why don't we read that whole verse in context for a change? Israel's the Father's beloved. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. And so I say, now if the fall of Israel results in riches for the Gentiles, how much more riches to the Gentiles will be manifest at the time of the fullness of Israel? We are about to see things in the heavens and the earth shake. And when that takes place, we are going to see that the Messiah who shed his blood and his blood anointed the most holy, anointed the Ark of the Covenant, which is the most holy altar upon the earth. It is God's golden throne upon the earth and the golden altar, the most holy altar that can only be approached once a year by the high priest then. We see that he approached it on what day? On Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. We have seen that the Messiah's blood was shed upon the Ark of the Covenant, not on the Day of Atonement, but at the time of Passover. Why the time of Passover? Because Passover is a picture of personal redemption. That's when you and I were bought and paid for. But Yom Kippur is a picture of the national redemption of Israel. That is a day that is set aside for the revealing of the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant will not be revealed until the seventh or the Sabbath millennium begins. And if our calculations are correct, the seventh or the Sabbath millennium began May 5th, 2000, sundown in Jerusalem. If that is true, if we have the year correct then we are going to see the shaking of the earth this fall. We are going to see the Gog-Magog invasion of Israel go down this fall. And at the culmination of that, we are going to see that God will fight for Israel. God is going to be sanctified in the eyes of all nations. And he will incinerate the armies of Gog and Magog on the mountains of Israel. And at that time, when God reveals his mighty hand, it will be Yom Kippur, the day of the national atonement for Israel. And that is a day that's set aside for the testimony that God put in the earth of his son. The testimony that God put there is going to be revealed so that all of Israel will look on him of whom they have pierced. Not as he comes in the clouds, but they will see the testimony that God put in the earth, just as John said before his death. In 1 John chapter 5, we read that we have received the testimony of men. There are three that bear record, though, in the earth. Three that bear record in the earth. The spirit, the water, the blood. These three agree. If we've received the testimony of men, and that's how we all believe, yet the testimony of God is greater than the testimony of men, and this is the testimony that God gave of his Son. 
When that testimony comes forth on the day that is set aside for it, and as we go into the fall feast, you'll begin to see and understand these things, then you'll see that that is the day set aside for the Ark of the Covenant to be revealed. And the covenant that was made in the Messiah's blood, that new covenant, will be confirmed with God's people, and that is going to begin the last Shavuah. Now, in the Feast of the Lord, we saw that as it speaks in Isaiah, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, there is none like me, declaring the end from Bereshit, from Genesis, and from the ancient times, the things that are not yet done. So we go right back to where he declared the end from the beginning, from Genesis, from Bereshit, chapter 1 and verse 14. Again, we read, And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. God put the sun, moon, stars, and planets in their courses, and he said, let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. God's reckoning of time is governed by the movement of the heavenly bodies, and he declared how his reckoning of time should be kept from the beginning. Even though we have forsaken it, and the Jewish nation as well has stepped aside and forsaken God's original reckoning of time and has adopted a different reckoning of time at the time of Hillel II, when Israel was outside of their own land, it was impossible to keep God's reckoning of time because it was dependent upon them being in the land. But now that we're back in the land, we can go back to God's reckoning of time, and that is where we then can go back and reestablish the biblical Hebrew calendar, which is adjusted for the Aviv barley in the land of Israel and the correct astronomical calculations. And as we talked about the first time, and we'll quickly review, according to God's reckoning of time, when do days begin? Days begin at sundown. When the sun goes down, that's the beginning of the new day. Not at midnight, right at sundown. When do weeks begin? at the end of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is Friday evening at sundown until Saturday evening at sundown. Just as the sun goes down at the end of the Sabbath, that is the first day of the week. And that's why when we read in the book of Acts about how the disciples got together early on the first day of the week to break bread together, and Paul began teaching until late in the night, and this young man fell out the window and, and they took him up dead, we see that they were getting together for the third meal of the Sabbath, just like we've been doing for thousands of years. And that's a time of full sharing among the body of believers to where everyone has a psalm, everyone has a hymn, everyone has a doctrine, everyone has a revelation. Look what the Lord showed me and minister to each other and we drag it out into the wee hours of the night. And I believe the reason windows were created is to keep kids from falling out the window late at the after the third meal of the Sabbath. When do months begin? Months begin when the first sliver of the new moon appears. Then, of course, the moon waxes full at mid-month, wanes to where there is no moon, and when the first sliver of the new moon appears again, it is the beginning of the month. Now, we all know and can repeat it together how long the lunar month is. It is 29.530587 days which means the month is either 29 days long or 30 days long, one or the other, depending on when the first sliver of the new moon is seen. I'm going to interrupt the broadcast right there. In 2017, I memorized the book of Revelation just as a simple project. Surprisingly, I began to receive information on 30 revelations and two visions beyond what is found in the Bible. 
God showed me a secret door, which is based upon a single word found in Revelation and Leviticus, linking the feasts to the prophecies. When linked, a person enters into an understanding of Bible prophecy not previously known. Even though I've been in the world of Bible prophecy for 40 years, frankly, I did not know anything of what is in this book. One prophetic word described it this way. There is a lock that I have put over a word in the book of Revelation that I'm going to open to you. It will turn so many books written on the end time message into obsolete books. That's this book. Topics are Jesus returns on what feast? The secret of the feasts. Who are the two witnesses? What is the morning star? The judgment seat explained. The great white throne explained. The nations explained. What is the shout? And the parables explained. Seals, trumpets, and vials go in what order? Two amazing prophecy charts on the back flap, 12 inches by 9 inches. Imagine a book on prophecy that brings a fresh, new, accurate perspective. I don't want you to get one book for $20. I want you to get five books for $30 or 10 for 55 It's called The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. Available at prophecyclub.com. The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. One for 20 No, 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 don't do that. You want to get five for 30 or the best deal, 10 for 55 Prophecyclub.com. Each single Prophecy Club DVD is a gift of $30. In that you know the Internet is going away one day, it is a good idea to actually have the disc. However, at WatchProphecyClub.com, you can have instant access to over 200 titles on a recurring monthly subscription of $20 or yearly for $200 at WatchProphecyClub.com. That's $6,000 worth of information at WatchProphecyClub.com. That's WatchProphecyClub.com. What a deal.